0: Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine.
1: All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. All right, and today we're going to step outside the well, we're really not stepping outside the agronomy and livestock uh, conversations, uh, but we're going to go and uh, explore another aspect of the industry that sometimes gets overlooked hasn't probably gotten overlooked as much in the last six months and so we're going to talk about the workforce in general a little bit and then we're going to talk about kind of the workforce in the ag industry and kind of what what a lot of companies are going through and trying to find good folks to bring good products and services, good expertise uh, to the farm of most of our growers. Sometimes the challenges in, in finding some of those folks and, um, and Honestly, what a blessing it is that we have so many good folks around this outfit, and I know a lot of folks say that, but that's for sure true for us here at MFA. So what I'm going to have our guests do to, we've got two folks here with us today, Cameron and I do, and so I'm going to have you guys just give a real short uh, background kind of on yourself and kind of who you are, what your what your role typically is on a, on a day-to-day basis, and then we'll dive off into it.
2: Yeah, I'm DJ Valrath. I'm the district sales manager for MFA in uh, Districts 4 and 5, which is basically central and west-central Missouri. i um, been in that role for about three years. Prior to that, I was um, worked in the agronomy department um, here at MFA under Doc and Jason Worthington for, for five years. And uh, before that, I was uh, managing a Hog farm um, in Audrain County. Uh, ran a gestation barn for about six months and a uh, commercial operation um, there. So that was a, a good experience. Um, and then, you know, worked with several people under me there. And then, um, prior to that, I uh, was in, in college here at the University of Missouri, you know. So, sure. all those K-Staters and Oklahoma State folks you've had on here before, you know, uh, <laughs> I, apologize I got, about got a that. Real, real education here uh, at the University of Missouri. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, you know, I was, I was animal science with a minor in international ag and grew up on a small cattle farm here, was not involved in row crop production. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, kind of the classic, I guess you'd say, small, small farm kid. Um, yeah. We kind of lived um, here in outside of town in Columbia and was involved in the construction world and uh, kind of grew up doing that and working on the livestock side and developed a passion for working with people in the industry. And that's what led me to get my foot in the door of the MFA and, been enjoying it ever since kind of my day-to-day uh role um i work with a team of agronomy and livestock um salespeople and, and support staff um you know we have a livestock and seed specialist in that in my territory in addition to uh 11 hopefully soon 12 we have an opening <laughs> there uh, uh, agronomy key account managers and sure uh three livestock key account managers in that territory and you know, setting direction and working with those guys and making sure we're striving to do the best we can do with our producers every day. So that's really kind of me in a nutshell.
1: Well, and you alluded to your opening, and that's that's why we had you on here, because you're kind of out there on the day-to-day uh, of trying to find quality folks and retain quality folks. And, and so I think, I think you have a good background to bring, and so um, that's certainly why we, because of your role and, and kind of what's going on currently, it's kind of why we had you in here. So thanks for being here, DJ.
3: Yep. And My name is Scott Moorfeld, I'm the training and recruitment specialist here at MFA and I um, am rounding up my sixth month here. Uh, my background is in recruiting, uh, previously was with State Technical College of Missouri for nine years and prior to that um, I was a sales manager for the Scott's Ortho Roundup Miracle Grove uh, Grass Seed Company um, in Maryland and DC. So. Um, day-to-day, my, my job is working with folks like DJ and other managers to get uh, look for people for their specialized roles, really try to comb through candidates to, to make sure they're the right fit, not just for the role, but for MFA's culture and, and uh, making sure that uh, we've got the right people in the right positions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. Well, like I said, I appreciate both of you taking the time to be on here this morning. Um, I think... I think the way to start this off would, would just be to kind of wrap up where you feel like we're at in the from a kind of a holistic job market. Because I think most people have paid attention to know that the job market's fairly tight right now, right? I think most people would understand that. But kind of um, talk us through maybe what's gone on over the last few years and kind of maybe led us up to where we are right now, and kind of talk us through like kind of where we're at right now. And either one of you can jump in and start that, or you can too, Cameron, if you'd like to, to tackle that one. No,
2: but either I, one of you. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a, a economist or anything, but sure. I will say, um, you know, starting in this role three years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had multiple applications. Um, I guess you'd say I didn't have to go headhunt per se, and uh, today that's not not the case. I've had um, you know an opening in particular um, for going on probably three weeks now, and I've had you know guess how many applications zero, you know coming through our website. And that's, I'm not knocking anything we're doing. I'm just saying sure. I think that illustrates kind of where we're at um, at a macro level. You know I I visit and not only with you know people within MFA our location managers our uh, other district sales managers that are all looking—they're all looking for help—and people that are willing to work. That's the common phrase you know I hear said. You know, nobody's willing to work, DJ. You know? Yeah, I know. And, and that's that's something yeah. that gets tossed around. It is. Um, I I do think the ag industry, especially in retail ag like we're in, requires a certain amount of wherewithal. You know, because there are busy times that you're yeah. going to be away from your family, and so it does take a unique. Um, skill set and person, I think, to be dedicated to get through that and want to see the reward. Um, As far as, you know, why we're here, um, you know, I think there's a multitude of of reasons. I mean, uh, the the unemployment thing, I think, really has had an effect. I mean, you can say what you want. I'm not going to make the conversation political, but I just think you're crazy not to think that's had an effect. Sure, Um, sure. uh, And... Talk to people, like I said, in other ind- you know in ag industry outside of MFA, and it is not just MFA. So right. I think a lot of times we obviously uh, get down about it, especially locations you know that are short-handed. Yep. It's stressful. It's it causes issues, and uh, it's probably our I, I would say our number one thing holding back MFA is you know the the help situation. But I can assure you, it's not just us talking with everybody. Everybody's in this boat. And, uh, you know, I, I commonly tell people, we, I came from a family, my dad owned his own business, was a contractor for 40 years for himself in the construction industry. And, you know, the $15 an hour thing is a hot topic. Now I can tell you 15 years ago, my dad was starting people at $15 an hour in the trade industry with no education, no skill set. He just needs people to show up and, and learn to do it and, yep. be, and show up every day. Yep. And, uh, so it's uh it's definitely challenging i can i can tell yeah. you that for so, sure
0: yeah and it's like you said it's not everybody i mean it's and it's not just in the ag industry it's in all industries i mean you see restaurants that are shutting down because they don't have people to you know wait tables or to cook or you know yeah. we've talked you know we talked with De- chris tamas on our last episode and just in the freight and sh- shipping industry you don't have as many truck drivers you don't have it's just it's a it's, it's a in general ag- it's, i think we're
2: at on top of unemployment, or you know, some unemployment benefits, I do think the whole country is in a yes. uh, in, in a turnover in employment. We've got you know those baby boomers, those folks that are just you know, and Scott, you, I'm sure you probably know more about it than I would, but kind of those more blue collar type mm-hmm. workers that hey, I was satisfied you know doing a trade or driving a truck um, that kind of thing versus the the folks that are coming out of college now and. You know, I don't want to use the cliche. I mean, I, of course, I want to walk in and have a great job coming out of college, too. But there's more of an entitlement coming out that um, I went through school and did this thing, and I don't have to maybe go through those steps to get a management position or something that's, you know, going to you
1: know have a higher salary. Scott, what's yeah. your thoughts on that for kind of from the 30,000 foot level there?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, the market has definitely changed, and it's, it's on the side of the job seeker. You know the employer is is definitely um, you know sometimes our, our hands are held to the fire because we're competing with everybody and making sure that um, you know our culture is different and unique and and um, you know a lot of times we think about where people are going and and who we're competing against. It's not always about pay. There are those kind of intrinsic things that stand out to you know um, generations of people that are that are looking for employment now. So. Um, If we can sort of move with the trends and just make sure that we're staying on top of those things in addition to, you know, competitive wages, I think um, we'll be better off in the long run.
1: Right. Do you you think, you know, when I was, I I can always remember as as a kid, and guys, I know, like, I am not a super young guy, so I'm probably, like, dating myself by even bringing this conversation up, but... When, you know, when I started off working in, you know, in high school or whatever, I was making six fifty an hour or something, you know. And th- there was always grandpa who told you, well, I started for $0. $0.75 an hour. <laughs> it seems like we've had a, a fairly, like you said, DJ, a fairly quick turnover. You know, there's always that grandpa out there that 60 years ago, yes, you made $2 an hour. But my point is, you know, I graduated college um just over 10 or you know like 15 basically 15 years ago and you know i yes i was trying to work for the state and whatever you know i interviewed six times for a twenty-three thousand dollar a year job because there just weren't that many openings and there were that many people stacked up kind of in the queue mm-hmm. and we, I, we have flipped that over in a, in a fairly short amount of time i feel like is there something going on from a workforce like dj kind of alluded to some of the baby boomer stuff or have we turned that something here recently that you guys think has an impact on that?
3: I definitely think, you know, and, and I catch myself saying this a lot, COVID has has had an impact on that. And to Cameron's point earlier, you know, we had a local restaurant that they just closed their doors because nobody would deliver their supplies to them because they didn't have, you know, the folks there to do that work. So, um COVID definitely has had an impact and at what point do we start to recover from that and make sure that, you know, we bring people back um, to the industry. There are the same amount of people out there, but where are they going? Right. How, how are yeah. they employed? And and so, um, again, to DJ's point, it's the, the unemployment, some of those added benefits that I think are keeping some of the folks out of the marketplace of, of looking, for, looking for careers. So um, it's... It's about getting those people back and getting them working in, in some of the roles that we have open. I got you.
2: Yeah, I, I think, too, just going on that point, you know, similar deal. You know, I think I interviewed three times, you know, yeah. a year um, before yeah. I took took that position, you know, with multiple different people. Yeah. Um, of course, we were coming off of, you know, I was in 2013. We were kind of in recovery mode from from the recession at that Mm -hmm. point, um, which was better, but still, it was competitive, I would say. It was competitive
1: for every level of position, it seemed like, because there were just so many folks kind of in that queue. If you posted a job, you know, like, I think I probably have mentioned on the podcast before, but my previous employer was Missouri Department of Conservation, okay? Mm -hmm. Every job that they posted 12, 15 years ago, they had 150 fully qualified applicants for, and they were trying to figure out which 10 they could even parse out to get an interview. And, and my last couple of years there, before I came to work for MFA, it was not like that. And those people, like, it dropped them on their head because nobody over there was used to, re- the recruiting person, basically, it was a pretty easy job, right? You just sit there and everybody comes to you, you know? Yeah, so, um, and it is not like that even there. And so, and so when you say it's market-wide, you're exactly correct. And I, I do think, you know, going off uh, Scott's point that,
2: that COVID has, I mean, I know it's everybody's favorite topic, but yeah. I do think you had people, even in, in good paying jobs, work from home or have a more opportunity to be with their family or whatever it was. And you had a lot of people sit back and go, I'm um, reevaluating what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I, you know, at what point do we recover that? I, yeah. you know, I don't know, but I do think it's real. I just think sometimes we look at only the folks maybe on a lower tier, you know, income, thinking of like those kind of entry level positions, and those are right. the people that aren't coming in the marketplace. And I, I don't think that's accurate. I, from what I see, it's everybody had a chance to it's reevaluate at, all at some levels. level, and there's yeah. a lot of shifting going on, or the employees demanding yeah. certain. Certain things, like I said, it's definitely an employee. Well, you mentioned uh, that, Scott. Can
1: you go into that a little bit? Is there things that you have talked about? And I know you've only been here six months, but you've got a lot of previous experience, right? Are there things in that kind of since COVID hit that everybody's talking about from a benefit scenario, not just a salary? You know, obviously we know we have to be competitive in those in those instances. Are there things that you've talked about in the last few months, or since COVID began, from an employee benefit scenario that maybe weren't ever even discussed previously?
3: Well, so first off, I'll say I think that MFA has a has a great benefits package. So anybody in the market, we're, we're very competitive on that side. I think that what we found coming off of COVID is people want a little bit more flexibility. They want yep. the ability to work remotely or work from home. And so um, and for our type of business that we have, that's not always feasible. Right. So maybe that's where we find some of those candidates going to other companies because they have that leverage to um, you know, just say you only have two candidates in the queue. I want this, this, and this, and I'm qualified yep. for it. And so yep. that's how they get um, some of those additional things. I gotcha.
1: Okay. And that's kind of why I thought you would say, because it, it seems like that flexibility was something that kind of came to the forefront during COVID and everybody, you know, decided, Hey, I like that. And I don't blame them. I mean, I certainly, we all have families. We all enjoy spending time with them. And so I, yeah, I completely understand that. <clears throat> Let's shift gears just a little bit. And say for um, for the industry, and, and I'll ask DJ this first, what what is your ideal candidate to send to somebody's farm to be able to be helpful to that grower or producer, but also kind of be a good MFA employee? What, like, what kind of qualities from an industry perspective are you looking for?
2: Yeah. So I'll kind of, I guess I'll back up just to the interview process. Yeah. You know, if I don't know, obviously the person interviewing coming in, uh, I think... There's a couple of things I look look at first and foremost, and I, I mean, anybody that knows me or has talked to me enough um, about this topic or even some of my own guys um, will tell you I'm looking for drive. So basically, self-starter, somebody I don't have to worry about because, you know, I'm covering a territory, you know, I'm looking for somebody that I'm hiring to do the job, not me to have to babysit them to do it. Right. So that's that's probably one of the number one, um, number one things. So do i feel or can i get the feel for that person that they're going to wake up and want to go to work and do a good job Um, and so that that you know phrase drive kind of encompasses um, several things but that's how i view it and then i would say that the second thing is communication the ability to communicate effectively so obviously in a sales type role um, where you're interfacing with lots of different people and it's not just the end customer this person has to be able to interface with the location manager with myself, with the the staff at the location. You know the yep. the farmer's grandpa. You know the right. you know their you know their their wife maybe. You know all all those people. And they're all different, um, all different. And so having that ability to communicate effectively is uh, is really big. Um, yes. Those are those are probably the two big things I look for now. We kind of get um, into those sub subcategories kind of once I feel like I've got those top two um, knocked out then it gets into what's their technical ability, you know, or, you know, did they graduate, you know, from a school and have an ag- agronomy background. But I'll tell you the other thing that probably comes to mind even before I get to that is, are they going to be sustainable in that area for a while? Um, right. And so do they want to be wherever the geography roughly is that that position's in? Because that's a huge one. I mean, I've had, if they don't have a pull or a tie to want to be there in that area, it's, Going to be tough to to keep them there um and i want them to want to be there and and grow because especially in a industry with that we are in you have to have those relationships and uh, because if you don't somebody else does yeah and yep. people aren't gonna buy or want to work with somebody that's gonna be there for a year and a half or six months or whatever it is and go on and so uh those are maybe the top three and then then i even get into the you know what's their education level i think we're very fortunate as a company MFA, uh, maybe other companies would put that up higher. Me at MFA, you know, I told you my background. I came to work for the agronomy department and I had not planted a stitch of corn outside of the garden, you know, Mm -hmm. but I had great people around me in the agronomy department, um, in the seed division, and all the other, anywhere that I looked to help support me at the local level, you know, people with a ton of experience that I could lean on. And so I've always felt that we had a great team around people. And that's something I always use, you know, honestly, when talking to candidates that maybe you're uncomfortable with something, I'm like, we we can get you up to speed. I'm confident in that. Um, so we really got to check those other boxes first so that's kind of what I look for and I, I'm yeah. an ideal candidate yeah so, and then somebody that's right for the team too you know you you develop a culture you know within your own subset or team and you know that's 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 important I don't I don't want to throw a wrench um,
0: into that I want them to be accepted and want to work together. Um, yeah I think too. you hit it on the head Dj by you know saying that sometimes the experience and the training isn't necessarily, um, what needs to be our top, you know, top values that we're looking for. Um, I was going to say, and then you went ahead and went back to it, is when you came into your role, you were in animal science and you yep. grew up on cow-calf. But Ask you Jason moved, Worthington. But you he moved, threw my
2: resume in the trash. I like to give him crap correct. about that today. So. But, I mean, you moved,
0: you moved into a role that was <laughs> then dealing with, you know, on the fertilizer, nutrient side, on the plant, row crops and stuff. And so it was, you know, we had the right people around you to help train and stuff. And so I feel like sometimes in the job market, you know, when we post jobs, a lot of times we say, this is, this is the job requirements that are have. You know, When you go to put in an application resume, you see, oh, these are the ones. Well, maybe I don't fit that. Well, sometimes maybe we're trying to be too stringent on that and we're maybe weeding out people instead of just understanding like, hey, there's certain aspects of this job that we can train as long as we get somebody who has the drive and who is willing to put in the work and show up every day. We can train and get people up to speed on certain aspects. Yeah, I did
2: not apply for the position I ended up taking right. initially yeah. at MFA, and I, you know, I think it goes to what you're talking about. That I was, I saw the qualifications. I was like, oh, that's not me, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, I think it goes back to that drive thing. You know, if you you get somebody in there that wants to make it work. They're probably going to make it work somehow. They will yeah. get up to speed. And I'm,
0: so, and I'm yeah. not saying that we don't have to have some sort of qualification. Oh, sure, jobs sure, when sure. You sure. out. But sometimes I feel as if maybe we weed people out for positions because we're thinking to themselves, well, they don't have those qualifications. Yeah. But
1: I think you, you're you on to something, Cameron, and I don't, Scott can probably talk to this too. But I think a lot of those job descriptions and those qualifications are copy and paste. I'm not I be. I'm not, yeah, I'm not accusing. Be. I'm not accusing DJ of anything here, but we've got I, a lot of going, we got it, a right. lot going on, right? I don't so, post them, right. You know, if, <laughs> if we're posting a job, you know, it's like it's the qualifications that have always been there. And and 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we needed that weed out process, right? We wanted somebody who wasn't qualified to read that thing and say, nah, not qualified for that. You got any thoughts on that, Scott?
3: Yeah. So um, one of the things that I was just thinking is, you know, a lot of times I hear managers say. Half the battle is just showing up. So if you know if we've got those folks that are that are showing up and and making sure that um, you know we've got a solid training plan in place. So to DJ's point, we're going to get you up to speed. We're going to help those candidates you know be successful. Um, that's part of um, training and recruiting is making sure that once we you know we gain that talent, we can retain that talent and and just making sure that they've get, got all the information that they need to become successful in their role. So. Um, as we move forward with sort of, you know, the the candidate pool not being as big as it as it has been in the past, um, I think we're gonna find ourselves really polishing up those training tools and, and becoming creative in how we how we deliver those to new employees.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I've talked about it with people before is is we've got a lot of great guys at our locations. We've got a lot of great employees, we got a lot of great managers, yeah, applicators, sales guys. That are already in positions, they have a lot of experience, and it's just a matter of getting somebody who's willing to, like we said, have the drive to show up and stuff, and utilize the people that we have already within our company to help push them to the next level is, is really ideal.
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, it's you know some of those people that um, they might think, oh, well, that's not for me, and you get you do you got to push them a little bit, say you you are, would make, be good at whatever that position might be, and, right. and encourage them to take that next step. Some some people do need that encouragement and. I' I'm, I'm, I mean I'll tell you I'm actively like to mind my locations for good help we got <laughs> I mean so if uh, any of my managers listen to
1: this you know I'm, I'm yeah. not
2: scared to talk to employees so. yeah right <laughs> and I know they're not scared to talk to mine either
1: so. right right because because you're looking for those things and you know I think we've we've covered it well but it's personality traits right yeah. if you a, want the right person it's a willingness to, to yeah. succeed at the job that they're doing and and this is what I always just hammer onto everybody and and you mentioned communication skills. You know that the ag community is, is so extremely social, right? These growers that we're dealing with have been there for since the eighteen hundreds. You know, their families have been in some scenarios. So they know everybody and they're you know have a very large social circle a lot of times. And you just you can't be real shy and timid about going in there and talking to these folks. And so I mean, just strike up a conversation that has that, that kind of stuff has a lot of value to the demographic that a lot of times that is in agriculture, right? We all value a conversation, just having to be able to have a base conversation. And so, yeah, that's critically, I think, important.
3: So, yeah, yeah absolutely. To DJ's point, um, you know, he, he was talking about being in locations and, and always talking. One thing that I think people don't realize is that we're always recruiting. No matter where we are and what we're doing, if we've got the if we've got the the logo on our chest or on the truck or whatever, um, we are we are always recruiting in, in everything that we do. So I think it's important to keep that in mind as well. Man. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And on on that topic of just recruiting, um, that's something I can tell you that I've had to make an adjustment to, um, quite honestly. And to me, it wasn't just recruiting the candidates per se, because I can't know everybody. I mean, there's no way. Uh, I don't know people in Harrisonville and, yeah. and everybody in Glasgow or no. Oric or wherever I'm working at. You know, I don't know. You know, the location manager might know, and sometimes they they don't know either. Of that pool. Sure. So one thing I you know I've worked on. I would encourage everybody if they're in a you know a job hiring you know any kind of manager. It's like you have to be who knows people. Who who do I know that knows? And, yep. And that that's what I've really had to work on. Um, you know. Asking asking folks in the industry, you know, outside of MFA that would know people in the area that, you know, they're talking to folks, too. You talk about the power of conversation yeah. and who talked talk to. Them. I mean, that that's yeah. an adjustment I've definitely had to make. And then just be more proactive. And then those people realize, hey, you know, he's always looking for folks, you know. And yep. it, they, you plant the seed in the back of their mind. And I think that is a is a positive, And hopefully mfa as a whole is making a stride to be more uh, proactive on that front because i know i've had to make that adjustment i think sometimes we get so busy in our day-to-day responsibilities and i'm totally guilty of it that we forget hey you know part of your you know title or your job as a hiring manager is recruitment and retention and so that that is a part of your job and you do have to set aside some time to do that otherwise you'll Get caught with your pants. For down, sure. So.
1: Yeah. Not just sitting back, basically what you're saying, not just sitting back and waiting for people to hit the yes. website. Correct. Because it just doesn't there's just not yeah. enough of that anymore. Um, you're not gonna find who you wanna find. Yeah. Probably that way. Yeah. For the long
2: term. Yeah. In,
3: in addition to those, you know, those valuable conversations that you're having, I think that as we look at, you know, maybe a younger candidate pool coming into the ag industry, how do we get creative on where to find those people if we're not having conversations with them? And I think the answer is social media. That's you know that's the new way of interacting. And how, how do we do that in a way that um, draws people to you know MFA and the company as a whole?
0: No, for sure. I don't know. Maybe we need to have some recruitment TikTok videos. M- MFA something.
2: TikTok. Well, yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got an employee that's pretty hot
1: on TikTok.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> can ask him about that. So. Um,
1: so, you guys have kind of hit on it, and you, you talked about recruiting some of those younger employees what's kind of the ideal background or or talk me through some of the backgrounds that you, maybe transitions that you've seen. So I'm a farm kid, right? Mm-hmm. We come with a certain amount of background, you know, right? I put a transmission in a grain truck when I was a freshman in high school, like that kind of stuff. I mean, like there's, there's the nuts and bolts that some of us kind of knew. We didn't always have the best communication skills, um, but... Is that still your ideal candidate, or are you honestly looking? Um, the vacuum to go back to the farm has been so strong recently. I feel like we've lost a lot of those folks to that, um, to that themselves. Which, honestly, great for them, but but from our standpoint or from the industry standpoint, um, we lack some of those nuts and bolts. In, so have you seen kind of a, tr- a shift there or what's kind of your ideal candidate yeah, from a background scenario for for me it's kind of yes i i do if at all possible and if you can
2: get that uh you know candidate that you know really farming's probably not in their future full time you know yeah. or maybe it is long you know yeah multiple years down the road but not currently um they've got you know, maybe some farming operation on the side or can help dad or an uncle or cousin, whoever. Um, having that draw to the area, I talked about that earlier. That is important. Yep. Well, I'm working in rural Missouri, so yep. what are they? they're they probably farm kids at some level so or associated with farm at some yep. level. But the other piece of that, um, you know, I have multiple guys that I work with and uh, that we've pulled from the trade industry. So, you know, I talked about growing up in construction, and I know what, what that was like Um those are, you know, it's not always depending on who you're working for. You know, yep. obviously, if those union jobs are going to be tough to compete with. Um, they've got good salary, good good benefits, those kind of things. But there's a lot, of, a lot of folks in the trade industry that are hard workers. They put in their hours, and then they get laid off in the winter because there's nothing to do, right? Yep. And they don't necessarily always have the best benefits package. So I think that's um, a pool of folks that um, the, the problem is in our current market right now uh they're desperate for folks as well and yep. so they're paying uh, really well to try to pull people in they're in a similar boat i think but i do think they have a similar um a cut if you will um that i i look for because they they, they want to work they want to see the fruit of their labor um and and they like the the social and the interaction if you've ever been a, amongst a group of construction workers or contractors that yeah. like to heckle each other. And, sure. you I've know, got a good culture usually too, I think. So yeah. that—that's
3: those are some that I kind of look
2: at okay. for sure. Okay, I, I don't know.
3: I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think as we, you know, as we kind of evolve as a company and, and see the candidates come through, um, there's, there's an opportunity there to be a little bit more flexible on maybe, um, you know, some of the re- requirements that we've had in the past for employees is that going to evolve to, they have a tie to agriculture, but not necessarily from the farm. Yep. Um, you know, they can show up and they can do what's expected of them and, and, you know, fit with the company culture. I think all of those things are important. And as we roll forward, we need to look at maybe outside the box candidates that would be a good fit for MFA. Um, whereas in the past, maybe maybe they weren't going to fit that. Overlook those people. Probably. Ideal role, yeah. Yeah, Worthington
1: threw their resume in the
2: trash yeah, can. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, one, I mean, it's it's true, though. And one other thing, and this kind of goes to way big picture, but I do think it's true, the ag industry in general, we have to continue to put on a good face um, as a, a whole industry um, and interact with folks that are not on the farm. Yeah, I mean, that's right. right. Absolutely. That, that, I think, is key. You know, I, when I went to school at the university, in Missouri, here in Columbia, um, for whatever reason, I went to, I'd say half of those folks were not, you know, in the animal science, were not farm kids. Yes. And for whatever reason, they either had, I mean, obviously you had your pre-vet folks that wanted to work with cats mm-hmm. and dogs and small animals and stuff, but you also had this group of folks that for, at some point had a positive interaction yep. that liked like the ag industry, it just sparked an interest in them, and yes. that's what they developed a passion about. I mean, kids from Kansas City, from Dallas, from St. Louis suburbs, I mean, those kind of folks, and they make great employees. I mean, yes. they just, uh, so I think that just goes to, we have to continue to strive to be involved in our communities at level. You know, I've always tried to educate folks in the Columbia area that aren't connected to ag. Yep. You know, tell them what we do and, yeah. and why why they should be interested and, and maybe consider you know, our industry versus maybe right. something else. Because I always I always joke in Columbia you're either you're the doctor in the health industry, you're a car salesman, you work at a restaurant. So, yep. you know, <laughs> there's yep. some other opportunities around us.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you hit on something a, a couple minutes ago that I wanted to go back to real quick. Um, I'm from rural northeast Missouri and you talk about the um, impacts of trying to hire somebody into some of those rural communities. And I think it, I think honestly, it's one thing to look at, at a, um, an office staff or somebody in Columbia or something like that probably is an easier hire than somebody in Knox or Clark County, Missouri, or, you know, those are just two that come right off hand and the pool gets thinner. Oh my gosh. And if you look at the census data that just came out, I mean, same deal, you know, I mean, I, I know my home county's populations dropped a few, like. A couple three thousand since i was a kid and it we didn't have a couple three thousand to lose <laughs> so yeah. i mean so and i know it's not the only county like that if you look at if you look at the the heart where our farms are in missouri and look at the those counties we're dropping population Yeah, pretty majorly absolutely
2: and i i know in in just applications a lot of times or even headhunters stuff that gets sent to you what one of the factors in there is you know, close to some kind of semi-close, like within an hour, yep. 30 minutes to an hour of, you know, of a Columbia or a Kansas City or, you know, at least yep. a quasi,
1: uh, you know,
0: yeah, larger town. And, you know, you think about it. You, we think about the past. We've talked about this, you know, what has changed, you know, on these jobs and where we get, you know, looking at the farm kids, bringing in. We think about past generations, you know, you, every family was not nearly as big of a farm. You know, they had, you know, maybe five, 600 acres. They had a lot more children at that point in time too. Yep. So your farm wasn't big enough to support all the children. So all the children had to go and work for the local co-op or work for the tire shop or whatever. Well, as we're moving forward, not as many families are having as many children. Mm-hmm. Um, your farms are getting bigger. So it's a lot easier for those guys to be able to go back and farm with their dad and stuff and still be able to manage that because you're, you're, you know our farms are getting bigger. And so that's bringing down the population in our rural communities. Yep. And then that's taking away people from being able to go out and work at our co-ops or you know, here with us because they're saying, hey, I have an opportunity to go back home, work with dad. Um, I can run the spray rig or I yep. can run the other combine and still be just fine.
1: I will say a couple things that I'm internal. I'm an internal optimist. I think I've covered this before, maybe, but I do feel like COVID Just hang out with me more. Yeah, <laughs> do the opposite. Bring it down a couple of <laughs> Um I think there's a couple positives from COVID in that regard. I think I think the addition of some of those remote work opportunities um, for spouses could help people try to move back to some of those rural communities. Um, I also think that some of the restrictions, uh, try to find the right word, that kind of happened through COVID in in some of the larger cities. um, Oh, absolutely. Has put a desire into people to move back into rural areas. There's no better way to social distance (laughs) than to live in the middle of nowhere. And so I think some of those things could possibly have a positive impact down the road here on, on looking to move people back into those areas.
2: Yeah, I, I, the, the one thing, I, I agree with you, the one thing that I had uh, kind of marked on scratched here on the paper and you hit on it was, you know, that significant other. And that's a, another factor I try to think of. You know, I don't quiz, quiz the person on the interview about their, you know, wife or husband or anything. But, yeah. however, I mean, that is a big chunk of their decision is that person going to be comfortable wherever they're at are they going to have a job opportunity can they do what they need to do i've got uh, an employee that the reason they were able to move back home he you know had his significant other was from that area and guess what he was able to move farther south because of covid eased it and now she can work remotely yep and so i think that's a prime example you know probably 18 months ago that what wasn't wouldn't wouldn't have been a fit and so but i do think you know as anybody that's looking at any kind of talent um, you better consider uh the significant other make sure everybody's happy because you know the old saying mom ain't happy nobody's happy so yep
1: it's very true any thoughts um kind of before we wrap up I, i wanted to quiz you just a second on um folks who may be looking who may listen to this but want to hire on farm labor any thoughts for and i know you guys have shared a lot of things but any thoughts for folks looking to hire kind of that entry level or on-farm help? Because, I mean, they're in the same situation we are, honestly. You know, they, they have more of those social circles to possibly pull from. But um, I know a lot of operations that have not just retired guys, but super retired guys. <laughs> working for them and, and so we know that uh yeah well, we're in the same boat that that <laughs> yeah yeah that that employment has an end date right at some point here. yeah. um yeah. so so looking to recruit um on farm any any tips or things that folks should look for that we haven't covered
2: i you know i wouldn't i just reiterated i think it's not it's it's nothing special but we're often looked and looking in the same places right uh, uh or the our same kind of circle the on farm circle a lot of times and and I think it goes back to that comment I made earlier. Branch out, talk to people, um, or people that know people that yes. aren't directly associated with agriculture. Because I think there can be a passion um, lit there in being involved directly in production ag. You know, not everybody's cut out to go eight to five and and work in an office or you know being a more structured. There, you know, working on a farm is uh, can be pretty loose. Um, I yeah. mean, and they'll take about. Whatever hours they can get out of you, probably on the farm. Sure, as you know, long as you will show up and we'll put yeah. the work in, yep. and you can learn a ton, and it could set you up for future success in the industry somewhere else. So, uh, there's nothing like learning in, in a trial by fire, uh, you know. And I think, I guess that would be what I would I would tell folks. So, just make sure you're talking to people outside of your industry. So.
3: And I think in addition to that, get creative and and not just um, where you're looking, but what you're able to offer those folks. So. Um, you know, they can go work anywhere. Keep that in mind. So if you've got something that sets you apart from the competitor, I think that that gives you an advantage um, from the the labor side. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't always have to be, doesn't always have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be a shiny new $70,000 pickup, but you make lunch for them. That's really good every day. I mean, silly little yeah, things like that we, make you know make a difference. That was something we didn't talk a lot about, uh, but yeah, I mean, culture
2: is a big part of it. A yes. lot, i see it in today's money. Obviously, is important. Everybody's got to have you, you got to have, have enough kids, to pay the bills. We got to right. do that, but um, you know, I can tell you for sure that culture is a big deal, um, and having that, you know, just positive positive culture and attitude within an organization or a team. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal to folks. And it's not all, I mean, my wife's looking for a different position right now. And, uh, the leading candidate is not going to pay the most money yep. and it's because she knows who she's going to work with and they're great people and she'll enjoy working with them. And yep. so that, that is a big factor. Yeah.
3: And along those lines, you know, word of mouth is a, is a big thing. So, for some of those producers that, you know, maybe you have five or six hired hands, they're talking about your business too. And so keep that in mind in, the, in your small communities. If, if you've got um, sort of uh, word of mouth is either negative or positive, that's going to lead to, you know, where you move forward with candidates um, once those folks leave or if you look for additional help.
1: Yep, absolutely. I agree. That's, that's good advice for me guys. I mean, for sure. Any other thoughts you want to add before we jump off into our little trivia quiz that we got at the end of the podcast here?
2: I, I don't think I have anything. I have touched on most of the most of the subjects. Uh, the only thing, I guess, probably just me. What do you what do you call it? Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out. I'm open my, to that. I'll, I'll I'll get my shameless plug in. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm the district sales manager. And I have, uh, you know, agronomy and, and livestock salespeople uh, that I work with every day. And I, I will I will say, you know, to anybody that's, that listens to this that, you know, that that has a negative connotation a lot of times of, you know, sale. Oh, yeah. they're, they're salespeople or salesmen, you know. And I guess I don't look at it that way. And uh, I would challenge all of our folks and anybody that's looking to get in a sales type role that uh, don't think of it that you're just out there pushing a product. You know, if you're a good salesperson, you're out there to help and to, and to provide a solution um, for that producer and help them make more money in whatever industry it is. So yeah. I guess I'm, that's my shameless plug is if you're doing you're approaching things the, the right way, then uh, uh, you shouldn't think of it as a negative. So that's my shameless plug about the, the word sales term. Yeah, I would say
0: <laughs> just to kind of build on that, you know, is looking at salespeople, not just salespeople, but, you know, archives at are locations – when you have somebody who comes in that cares about the producer and cares about the job that they're doing, it makes the sales guys' oh, jobs easier. It, it easier. it makes everybody's easier because if you know if you're making sure you're doing a good job and you realize that we're trying to do what's best for the producer and we're helping the producer out, um, it just makes things. And I, I certainly hope that our team gives that vibe directly working with
2: the producer because you know the guys put in a lot of hours. They work hard. They have to learn a lot of stuff. And gals, I get a gal in there too, um, and you know they, they work ultimately for the producer, and so I sure hope that's the vibe we're given, and, and not that we're just out there to to, to push product because uh, sometimes it goes un, unrecognized. I think all the
3: hours those guys put in. So, since DJ got his shameless plug, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to take, take my turn here. <laughs> <real quick>. So, <laughs> uh, so for young people who are wanting to get into agriculture, um, MFA has two really cool internship opportunities. Um, one is for students who are going through um, university programs, anything ag-related. We do a, a 12-week summer internship and we'll place you at a, within a division here at the company. You get to spend, spend 12 weeks really in the ins and outs of that division. And so um, that application will be um, on MFA's website um, starting tomorrow. And then um, we have a custom applicator program. So we talked earlier about, um, you know, maybe people that want to go back to live and work in, in their communities and this is a great opportunity for young people that want to do that. So it's a partnership with State Technical College of Missouri. Those students will actually do two years Um, at State Tech within the classroom, and they'll do a summer internship this summer between their first and their second year. We place you at a location. You get to do um, custom application right there at the location. You get paid, and um, for those students that go through the State Tech program, we offer a $15,000 scholarship for them to, to go through that program. In hopes that once they graduate they can come back to work for MFA in a custom applicator role so um, if you know young people or a young person that that's kind of looking for one of those opportunities um, the details can be found um, on the MFA website yeah
0: yeah I think it's great that you did that shameless plugs, Scott because we those are two things we don't talk about a lot you know the opportunities that are out there that we help provide to help get guys in
1: yeah you know what? I, you know, why I don't talk about it, Cameron, because it makes me angry that I paid my ginormous student loan <laughs> yeah. when I could have just went to state tech and, and ran a uh, state of well, the art rig and made just as much money. You talk
2: about getting an education <laughs> on agronomy quickly. I mean, working with all the, the chemistry and learning uh, what works yeah. and what doesn't. I mean, people that have done that, I mean, we've got very successful managers. That's how they started out. You know? Yeah. And that's
0: right. so. It's a it is a good opportunity. Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, talk about it more. Yeah, that's a great point, DJ. You know, we talked about it's, a lot of a people lot. want to come out of school when they want to have that upper management job. Yeah. They want to go straight to, but a lot of our guys within MFA now that are in the management positions, that's where they started. Was they started out as an applicator, and that they've worked their way up. So a lot of the sales team, Absolutely. guess what?
2: They were either something like that or or, or crop scout. You know, walking yep. fields and Absolutely. learning that stuff. And it's just it is yep. it's a great opportunity.
1: Yep. Cool. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate you getting those those in there. Okay. Let's play stump the staff agronomist here. So Cameron is our staff agronomist. All right. And I've got five questions and uh, somewhat agronomy-related questions. And if you, uh, if you can beat him, get more questions right than him, then we'll make a donation to our MFA Inc. Uh, charity, which is Ronald McDonald House. So you feeling good, Cameron? Feeling great. Okay. All right. So... Question one, and I'm I've uh, I've cut down on the number of multiple choice questions okay. that I'm asking, okay. so uh, we're gonna we're gonna make it a little tougher and, and see if we can stump everybody in some of these. All
0: right.
1: So, what soil type or and what I'm looking for here is texture class has the highest amount of plant available water. What soil type or soil texture class has the highest amount of plant available water? I'm gonna. I'm going to go with clay. Okay.
3: It's got more DJ's, surface area. DJ so says clay.
1: clay. DJ says clay.
3: I'm going to say clay rich soils.
1: Clay rich soils. Mm. Okay. He's. I don't know if he's being purposefully vague
0: or... I, I don't know. I, I went with um, a silty clay loam. A silty clay oh, loam? Oh, man. Just yes. all this cover all three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just cover yeah. all three. A yeah. long, I mean, yes.
1: Okay. So Cameron's on the right track. I'm not sure I'm going to give him the okay. answer. That's a loam. A silt loam is, oh, yes. is the correct answer. Yeah.
0: I, I, I thought about
2: that could be right, so, I, I, but I so a clay-based
1: it. soil is going to hold the most water, but it's not plant uh, available, available because yeah. the adhesion to all those tiny little particles, uh, the roots cannot extract it from the soil. So that's yeah. why uh, silt loam yeah. soils are so desirable. The plant, it's kind of a perfect combination uh, of the two in the middle there. Lafayette so, and Selene County. Silicon Valley. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I, so I'm not sure why uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to give Cameron that or not okay, But, that's uh, fine. but uh, <laughs> anyway So next question What does the acronym H-E-L Stands for You've probably seen that printed on a map somewhere before What's the acronym H-E-L Typically it's in all caps Yes and stand I have for.
2: seen it and I should know But I don't so I'm gonna to have to. I'm not even gonna to try to Google it. I'm just gonna see if Cameron knows. Scott's shaking I, his head no. Know.
1: Shaking his head no. no. Cameron, H E L. Good. He doesn't know either. That's no, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We've stumped the staff <laughs> agronomist. Yeah. Uh, highly erodible land oh. is what that stands Forest for. Conservation. So if then. you see, <laughs> yep. So if you see a uh, a map with N H E L, that's non highly erodible. Um, uh, printed on the on a map or HEL, and so that's a determination that they make saying that land's highly erodible, and so you're more restricted on practices um, that you can implement there. Yeah, so well, that's very interesting. Man, I may have gone too far with these. Got we'll it. see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Where's originally <the> kindergarten <laughs> questions? That's <laughs> what I need. Yeah. Hey, the the whole spirit of this is hopefully somebody can learn something. So, all right, um, the term ET. What does that stand for? and not the little embryo small, transfer or not <laughs> is that where your mind went initially Cause, cause hey mine, I was animal science <laughs> extraterrestrial extra yeah I was going to say mine would go to the small alien looking guy <laughs> but in the uh, in the agronomy world what is ET like I
2: said my my mind just instantly jumps to the animal science side so I, I can not answer
1: that one either
3: Scott acts like he's got it I think I do evapotranspiration oh
1: evapotranspiration, evapotranspiration. that's so, what I have that's about. what I have evapotranspiration all right Perfect. Nice. Evapotranspiration. Difference for that means uh, there are plants growing if you're talking about evapotranspiration. Because for transpiration to be happening, you gotta have yep. a living plant pulling root, pulling yep. moisture out of the soil into the atmosphere. So yeah. you ready for this? You may need your phone calculator for this one. Oh. And there's a there's a magic number that I'm gonna assume since you're in agronomy, you know. Okay? So it's debatable. <laughs> all right, to set up a trial, the company Next Generation Magic Dust. Tells Adam they need 200,000 square feet to conduct a trial. How many acres are they asking Adam to set aside?
0: 200,000 square feet?
1: Yep. They are asking Adam for 200,000 square feet to set up a trial. How many acres does Adam need to set aside for them?
0: You got it? I got it. What is it? 4.59 acres. DJ?
2: Yeah, 4.591 acres. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Same? Same. (laughs) All right.
0: All right. How'd you get that? Uh, There's 43,560 square feet in an acre. Okay. Okay.
1: I was trying to get that out of DJ Cameron because I was wondering if he copied from you. I did Um, not copy. (laughs) I might have had to Google the number. (laughs) But I did know how to do it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We'll give a point to everybody for that one. Uh, Question five. Last question. Which nutrient has the least mobility in the soil? Which plant nutrient has the least mobility in the soil? There are multiple choices here. I'm not sure I'm going to give them. Are take. we going?
2: Are we kind of going macronutrients?
1: Macronutrients. Think macronutrients.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, phosphorus and potash. Okay, Scott. Yep.
3: Same.
1: Okay. Phosphate is the correct, correct. answer. Yep. I listed that first. But you said potash, too. And so I am not. A-
3: <laughs>
1: you can't have two that are the least. Oh, oh the least. <laughs> you see, well, you threw me off by saying multiple options. So. Okay, we're going to say, are we going to say that Cameron won? Because I'm pretty sure he I think, did. I think, I think he, he did. I think he did get us. I think he did. I've it. got there. a tiebreaker question, but I think it's going to get everybody. Let's, let's do the tiebreaker
2: anyway. you I mean, want to do the tiebreaker just, question?
1: Just anyway? Let's just see okay. what it is. All right, you're going to burn up my tiebreaker. I can't keep carrying it over um, now. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. All right, the tiebreaker question was, liquid 28% UAN has a density in pounds per gallon of exactly what? And the closest to the correct answer is what I was going to go with. I'm just going to guess uh, 10.2. 10.2 from DJ. I'm yeah, just guessing. Okay. It's pretty dense stuff.
3: I don't even have a valid guess. You don't guess, have a valid guess, so all right? Okay. <laughs> Substantially <laughs> or heavier than water. Yes.
1: Cameron? <laughs> Closest to the actual number wins. Yeah, quit
0: trying to Google. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I gotta be careful with the, having 12, the calculator. Twelve point
0: three pounds per 12. gallon. Twelve
1: point three, actually. So you're lucky DJ didn't get the other questions because <laughs> he smoked you on the tiebreaker. Yeah, he probably the did. Correct answer is ten point six seven pounds yeah. per gallon. Wow. There's a
2: lot of stuff those fertilizers I know around that ten. Mark,
1: yep, so. yep. And you need to know that in order to figure out um, total g- gallons of UAN yep. per acre. And so if you're if you're trying to figure out how much actual N you're applying, you need to know that liquid density in order to to get that. Uh, percentage number okay cool cool you know what the great thing
0: about that is it's on the label yes (laughs) yes
1: wise men always say don't don't memorize something that you can google right (laughs) so All right. All right. Uh, well, nobody got him today, so maybe next time, Cameron, you'll be uh, you'll be lacking caffeine or something in the morning. Yes, maybe so. All right. Well Scott, DJ, thanks for yep. good conversation today. Appreciate for, you coming in here. Yes, Thank really. Appreciate it. Appreciate, it. appreciate everybody nice. listening. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.